Warning, may contain profanity, Joe Rogan and Mr. Rogers having a love child, Hercules, white woman privilege, and, or peanuts. I, am, Woodstock. We smoke a lot of weed in here, <laughs> and so I have to light candles every time just to make sure that, uh, you know, not everyone's drug friendly. Do you smoke? I don't. No? Smoking's one of those things where I would never say it's for everyone. <laughs> kind of like alcohol. Yeah. Kind of like caffeine. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, caffeine is not for John. I don't know if you've ever seen John caffeinated. Oh, you might. Hiking. I don't know. Maybe. No, he brought his uh, red rooibos. <laughs> he got me under the rooibos tea and it was actually pretty nice. I, I just happened to be on a caffeine fast okay. during that setup. Mm -hmm. And so the, the rooibos was a godsend. On a, on a in my experience, hiking in Peru, like that was probably the least amount of sleep I've gotten, but the most rest that I felt. Like there's just something about being in that air. So you're typically well rested because mm -hmm. you're so completely tired that mm -hmm. you're going to sleep well regardless. And then you're getting amazing exercise, fresh air, nature, which I mm -hmm. think as far as health goes in general, whether it's mental, physical, spiritual, whatever, I think a huge part of the pandemic we're seeing with mental health is we just don't spend enough time outside. Yep. One of the simple things, just straight up vitamin D. I mean, mm -hmm. there's one big factor. That's why all of Sweden, they supplement vitamin C or vitamin D to their population. Because mm -hmm. during the, you know, the winter months up there, it's like Alaska. It's just complete darkness all the time. Mm -hmm. Just seeing the stars alone does something to you. Mm -hmm. It really does. In fact, one of the nights, John and I, we had a cabin to sleep in and we chose to just sleep out on the ground just, mm -hmm. you know, for the experience of it. Got down to about 30 degrees and yeah. it kind of sucked, but it was worth it. We got, I woke up about 3 a.m. because I was cold and I looked up and I'm like, boom, just Milky Way stars. Mm -hmm. He apparently saw some shooting stars. I didn't. Mm -hmm. It's a luckier man than I, but <laughs> I think we need to be outside more. Yeah. And that is one thing that I want to get to with you because you did some work with some urban farming. I want to talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. But before we really get into it, mm -hmm. um, tell us a, lot, a little bit about a little bit. <laughs> Let me try that one more time. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're an accountant, right? Yep. CPA. Yeah. That's how John and I met actually in the accounting firm, the same accounting firm. Um, so I grew up in Virginia. Well, actually, I grew up in Maryland. That's where, but I was born in Virginia. So my parents made sure we were born in Virginia so they could say we were Virginians. This is a little big. I don't know if I should. Um, you can adjust it. Pull the right up here. Just pull oh, them this down. One. Mm -hmm. Ah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, you can make it as small like, as you small want. I got a small head. So. My little mm. daughter can wear it fairly comfortably. I hope that you have a bigger head I than my seven-year-old. <laughs> No, this is better. Now. That I just wasn't figuring out where to adjust, so that's perfect. All good, perfect. Um, so I, yeah, I was born in Virginia, but then went through middle school in Maryland. Hold up, I have to ask, why was it important for your parents to say you were born in Virginia? That's where they were born. Well, actually, I don't know if my mom was born there. Her dad traveled a lot, but we went to Virginia Tech, like my whole family, except for my sister. Okay. So there was a little bit of that, but my dad uh, was born and raised in Yorktown, and then my mom. I think this is really like embarrassing that I don't know this, but I think that she was actually born there. Her sister, her sister was born in Hawaii because like her dad was in the Marines. So they went to like seven different elementary schools she did and traveled a lot. But then where they settled was her, her parents decided high school you're going to do in one place. And that was Virginia. 
So that's, they wanted to make sure we were born in Virginia. And like, there's a lot of family genealogy that my grandfather got into that I could share with you, but it's, you know, I can't even remember the dates that we were settled there, but there's Robin's Neck in Virginia around the Yorktown and Hampton area. And it's like generations that we've been, so many generations that we've been there, you know? So that's part of it too. That's awesome. I, I'm the complete opposite. Like my, we have some gene genealogy back to heck the, I don't even know how, hundreds of years ago, but we've never actually stayed in one place. Like all of my ancestors, I'm a vagabond. Mm -hmm. Hell, I moved my family into a trailer and we traveled across <laughs> the entire US and now we're going to Europe in a month. So I guess I'm just following suit to what my family is. But even growing up, the longest I've ever lived in somewhere is right now in Texas. Oh, wow. So even though I'm not from Texas, as far as my adult established life, I mean, that's as, I've spent as much time there as anywhere. And so I've, as a kid, I always envied other kids when I moved to a new town, I was the new kid and mm -hmm. they had this just built in relationship with all these other kids around them and their friends from years. And I was always the guy from out coming in. Yeah. And I think there's a huge benefit to that, but mm -hmm. I think there's also a huge benefit to being raised in a house and growing up in that whole house and the security mm -hmm. you get from it. There's a give and take obviously for everything, mm -hmm. but, and maybe that's the takeaway is, you know, we're all very unique, but at the same time, we're not, none of us are unique at all. Cause we yeah. all go through the same shit. It's just slightly different shades. Exactly. But I got off track. So <laughs> how did you get to Texas? So my best friend from college, she moved here and I had been in the DC area basically my whole life because I was in Gaithersburg, Maryland and then Vienna, Virginia, which are like 30 minutes outside of DC. Um, and I decided I didn't want to be in public accounting anymore, which is what I said when I moved. I don't want to do that anymore. And then, um, you know, thankfully working at a big four firm, you are like highly marketable. You know, people really want you to work for their company just because of the auditing experience and the training that they provide and everybody knows they provide really good training. So um, I was like, I won't have a problem finding a job when I move anywhere. So my best friend from college had moved down to Houston. Her best friend lived in Dallas, but the company that she interviewed with had a better position for her in Houston. And so she had uh, bought a, or rented at least a uh, two bedroom apartment and when I was looking to move out of DC, I was interviewing places in Richmond, Virginia, and also down here in Houston. So Houston is just where I landed. Houston and I've been here ever since. Yeah. So how many years now? It's been a while. Yeah, so it'll be 10 years in January. So I love talking to people about different locations because the, the division that we have just globally is in my mind, the number one thing we should all be focusing on being able to start being able to communicate a little bit better and that way we can get shit moving forward. And so knowing where people are from and the culture that they grew up in speaks volumes to what their reality is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. And what the roadblocks are going to be in any given conversation. And I love hearing people's opinions from if you've lived long enough in a place, you can really understand the flavor of what that people really feels like. And you're, you've lived long enough 
over you know east coast mm -hmm. and then I, th I think long enough down here in houston to make some pretty good comparisons what are the things from there that you think are how do i put this Every, everywhere's got badass stuff i mean mm -hmm. we all agree with that but sometimes there's things that are so badass you're like man i want this everywhere mm -hmm. and then vice versa do you have anything like that that comes to mind so I feel like I was pretty spoiled when I lived in Virginia when I did triathlons. So I did triathlons for a while. I don't, I haven't done one in a very long time. But so what's triathlon again, remind me? So it's swim, bike, run. That's the order of it. And there are sprint distances, Olympic distances, half Ironman, Ironman. I don't know if there's something greater than an Ironman, but that's basically a marathon at the end of it. So I don't know if they would add anything else to that. Um, so are you just a masochist? <laughs> so I did Olympic, which ends in a 10K. So it's like, not as, not as oh, bad. just a 10K just after a 10K I swam after, and yeah. So you swim about a little over a mile and then you bike, I think it's like 26 point something. It's all in kilometers and I don't remember what the kilometers are. So the Olympic is a set distance. That mm -hmm. one's the same sprints can range like from a bunch of different, you know, you could just do like a 400 meter pool swim, like a five mile bike and like a one mile run. Like sprints are just all over the place, what you can do. So I mostly did Olympic triathlons and my dad is a swim coach. Um, he's actually retired, but that's what he was for a long time. So I was swimming with like a nationally known master's coach in the mornings. I chose to show up to swim practice on Haynes Point in DC, which was a gorgeous like 50 meter pool on this island outside like on the Potomac. Um, so I miss the outdoor pool scene. I feel like there might be one in Houston. It's not as obvious as it was back home. And also community centers. They were like, it seems like there were way more pools indoors that you could swim in that um, were easier to find there. Now that could be easier just because I had a very good resource in my father, right? And I just didn't find something like that here. But they also had amazing bike paths there. And I feel like you don't really have that many bike paths that traverse the city here in Houston. So I could ride from Vienna into DC, which was like a 17 mile bike ride, but I could ride into work entirely on a bike path, which How was pretty cool. How long does that cool. take you? 17 miles um, on a bike. It was, I mean, it would be like about an hour, maybe a little bit longer, depending on, because there are lights. You do have to cross like different, uh, pretty major streets, like Lee Highway and stuff like that. But yeah. So I only did that a handful of times. It Wouldn't was not like something. Show up sweaty. So there was a shower in the bottom of our building. Ah. So I would, I would, uh, and I honestly, I think I actually had to like cart my bike around the office sometimes, like bring it in the elevator with me and take it up to my cubicle. Cause uh, in DC there isn't, well, our firm didn't rent enough space for everybody that was employed there because most of the times we're out at clients doing an audit. So we're not like tax base where I, well, most tax people stay in the office, but I was traveling to clients all the time, which is kind of why I liked it. I liked the change of scenery. I like that I work with new uh, organizations. And so it's like the same approach, but something different. And that really appealed to me. Um, but we would do hoteling. So you'd have to like rent a cube for a day if for whatever reason you were going to be in the office. So I would only do it if I was in the office because I knew there was a shower and I knew I would not be like gross and sweaty. And um, you know, it was a bike path that literally like, my neighbor across the street from us, it was behind their backyard. So it was like really close to my parents' house. So I did it when I lived there. And I also did it one time when I lived in um, Roslyn. And that was like right across the river from DC. So 
I don't see Houston turning into a bike friendly place. <laughs> I, I just bought I a bike too. I just picked it up yesterday. But just thinking about the the trail it took to get me here, it was like, what do we have? Like the biggest highway in the world, at KD Highway. It's like twenty six lanes wide. We're just kind of a. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're an oil and gas town. Yeah. I say we. I'm not from Houston, but you mm-hmm. know, Texas. Yeah. We're an oil and gas state, um, which. I think inevitably that's going to start decreasing, decreasing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for people who are working in oil and gas, fortunately for, you know, everyone else yeah. climate wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I still get a lot of pushback from like my local friends here in Texas. They still just think climate change is a hoax that the government's telling us to control really? us. I don't think I've ever. Well, I think sometimes I don't ask, <laughs> so maybe that's more what it is. I have yeah. been surprised, like one of my episodes, I sat down with a guy that worked for Shell for, I think like 30 years or something, mm-hmm. and I, I asked his opinion on it, and he, he said in a great way, he's like, no, there's obviously climate change, oil and gas is obviously a big part of that, mm-hmm. and we're starting to realize it, and we're working our way towards not having it, it's just... Yeah. It, oil and gas brought us to an amazing place in human in just humanity in period like mm-hmm. we we can't knock it for what it was it, it got us to where we were and we should be very thankful for that but we also need to recognize the knowledge that we have now and make nudges towards the right direction it's not going to change overnight that's impossible mm-hmm. we're going to have another freeze eventually in texas and we don't want people dying because of that but that just means we need to just kind of invest more a little bit but yeah i didn't bring you here to talk about the environment unless that's something <laughs> you're passionate about i don't know that that's one thing i love talking about is whatever you're passionate about yeah. no it does uh matter to me and um i probably am not as knowledgeable as i could be about it like one of the things that i narrow in on is is diet and the impact of diet on the environment more so than um some of the other obviously you can't have diet without an oil and gas component to it because of the travel costs and the transportation that goes into getting our food to the grocery store, getting us to the grocery store. Right. But, um, it's more about, I think diet is where I've really like done more drilling into. And that's why I was, um, plant-based for a long time and I still eat mostly plant-based, but. So let's continue on this, but speaking of diet, Mm -hmm. do you want a drink? I'm going to grab myself a beer. Sure. It's uh, it's late enough in the day. Mm -hmm. I heard you talking about IPAs on one podcast. Uh, you're gonna love, there's a brewery that's maybe half a mile from where we're gonna stay in North Carolina. Oh, really? And um, my dad and I tried their uh, Spicoli IPA. It was very good, yeah. very, very good. And it's like really walking distance, yeah. There's just something about you know, cracking a drink <laughs> with someone. It breaks down some... Is this gonna be real sweet? Have you? It's a cider, but it's not too sweet. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's going to be sweet. It's <laughs> every once in a while I've found a dry cider, but the people that like ciders kind of drink them because they like sweetness. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not that guy. Honestly, I I was rushing through the grocery store. I thought it was a beer and I'm like, oh, pecan cool. I just grabbed it and ran. And so when I opened it up thinking it was a beer, mm-hmm. I, I didn't gag. <laughs> but I didn't give it the credit it deserves. Mm-hmm. What do you think knowing it's a cider going into it? It's, um, I think I'm used to, it's very like sir, kind of syrupy compared to what I'm used to with the cider. If that communicates. So you don't yeah. like it. I don't love it. it 
<laughs> I can get you something else. Um, is that okay? Sorry. Absolutely. No, I'm I will like, never, ever. I got to the try second it, I saw your face, I'm like, I'm not going to make her drink that. <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> so, I'm making this shit up as I go. Mm -hmm. I, I renovated this trailer into the studio. Pretty proud of it. But man, there's a lot of bugs to work out. One of those is, um, I have this badass beer fridge right here that we can pull shit out of. But if I'm on a long trip, I, I drove like eight hours from Victoria to the far side of Louisiana on the opposite side of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Did an episode with a guy, cool dude, man. He, he came over to the US when he was 15. He ended up getting a, what was it? A bachelor's degree in political science, worked in DC for a while. Decided he wanted to be an engineer, so went back for a civil engineering degree. Mm -hmm. Then got his master's in structural engineering. Mm -hmm. He works for Boeing now, working on the Artemis project, uh, the rockets going back to the moon. And now he's like, you know what? I want to try something else. So now he's working on the ethical use of AI algorithms, and he's getting his PhD. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, wow. I, I knew, I, I reached out to him because he was an old buddy I used to play soccer with. Mm -hmm. And I saw he worked at Boeing. I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting. Like he can tell me a little bit about getting to Mars or getting the moon, I mean. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ended up talking about a lot more shit. <laughs> it was a, it's it's usually the case when we do these shows. Yeah, you usually. learn a little bit more than, well, probably a lot bit more than you knew beforehand. I mean, I- About people, about the person. But exactly. Everything like, too, really. I've known that yeah. guy for over 10 years and I barely knew him. And mm -hmm. there's people that are close to me, like literally I got off the phone this morning with one of my best friends and we were talking about how we just never call each other. He's like, dude, you have a podcast, have these like deep conversations with people and they're deeper than the conversations you have with your <laughs> goddamn best man. I never thought about you being called out in that way. <laughs> and and it, is, it is true. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because it would, you know, push the issue for me personally, mm -hmm. but also it, it I think that people need an excuse to say important things. Mm. We all have these insecurities where we're like, ah, no one wants to hear that or, or no one will understand or I'm just, I want to be the tough guy. And when you have an excuse, whether it's a microphone in front of your face or just hearing someone else say, hey, call up your dad and talk to him for half an hour. If it works, that's amazing and it and it's, better for everyone mm -hmm. you know and i i think if people actually had conversations more and if possible face to face i think there really is a huge component to that yeah all this bullshit we have on social media is going to slowly start going away well that's not even a conversation right that you're absolutely right it's a it's like a reporting this is what i did you know like that's all you can do it's not a dialogue hey look at me look at me look at me look yeah. at me and so i i'm not going to knock on shit they're not I'm not going to knock on people mm -hmm. who live their lives through social media because it's it's they, they need something there. There's a dopamine rush that they're getting there and it's getting them through. Instead of doing heroin, they're doing social media. Mm -hmm. It's a better addiction. But I think we all need to recognize that it is an addiction. It's something that is not healthy for our mental well-being if we don't use it correctly. I think we can use it correctly, yep. but I also think people can use you know mm -hmm. opium correctly that's a, an extreme but i i think in the right i think we'd find moderation in all things as we we're talking about in my my last episode mm -hmm. it's just really hard sometimes well i think you like really got something there because it's 
I think we often try to use something for something other than what it was intended for, or even like what the purpose of it is. And that's where we get in trouble when we try to make something something it's not. Right? That's interesting. I like that. I I tried to... Hold on. I'm, a chair rolled over my mic and I'm cutting out here. All right, there we go. Sorry, listeners. I leave all this shit in. Makes you feel like you're here, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers. Oh, cheers. Well, that's interesting. I like what... So we try to use things for a purpose that they're not meant. Did I say that right? Yeah, or I think I'm even like... Or maybe overuse could be part of it. Um, overuse. It, that could be a factor in it. But it's like, instead of accepting something for what it is, we try to make it something it's not, right? Like, if you actually looked at what social media is, it is a platform that's accessible by anyone that's a user, right? Anyone that subscribes to it. Mm-hmm. to share information. I think ideally we'd like for it to connect people and maybe it does that through the shared information. But having it be our only way of connecting, I think is a problem. You're 100% right. And to add on to that, it definitely does connect us. But the thing that we're starting to realize now is, and I've we're stupid if we're saying that we didn't see it coming because (laughs) it was a business, Mm -hmm. you know, Zucks Mm -hmm. made it to make money, Mm -hmm. duh. And all of a sudden we're enraged because he created something that made him a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And of course it, he's making it off of us because that's how that works. Any Mm -hmm. app that you download that's free, guess what? You're the product. You know, it's, it's just, just because we didn't realize it, or we weren't smart enough to see it, we were like lashing out at Facebook for being these evil monsters. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like there was an outcome that was probably even way worse than they realized. And when they started realizing it, that's when we can start holding me accountable, right? Mm -hmm. How long have they known that there's this drastic, insane effect on how addictive their algorithm is? And to the point where other countries are being torn down allegedly mm-hmm. through the use of this tool. And it's kind of like OxyContin, the, the family that, what was it, Z- Zeckler, Zeckler, I, I can't remember. Oh, Sackler. Sackler, there we mm-hmm. go. Talk about evil. They knew exactly what was going on. If if you believe the uh, stories that are out there, have you seen Dope Sick yet? I haven't. You gotta watch it. Documentary? No, it's um, Michael Keaton's the one of the lead roles. Mm-hmm. He's a doctor in like a coal mining town, mm-hmm. and it shows how these people who they're not drug addicts, or at least they didn't start out as drug. De- I mean, there were people that trusted the pharmaceutical company sales reps, prescribed it, mm-hmm. and used it accordingly, mm-hmm. and still got addicted, and lots of people died by using something as prescribed because the pharmaceutical company was actively pushing higher and higher doses and had very, very corrupt relationship with the guy at the FDA 
and pretty much wrote the label. It was a brand new label for opioids that had never been, it said it was like less likely to be addictive along those lines, not word for word, but, and all the doctors are like, are you sure? And so they hired these high profile doctors that all these other doctors loved already, like read all their books and trusted them, flew them out to these places like Miami and like Arizona and had them give speeches about how this thing is a safe, it's a miracle drug, there's a new age, yet they actually had data and whistleblowers telling them for years, decades, people are getting addicted, people are abusing these, people are dying, yet they kept on pushing it more and more. It, even to the point where they put out through their sales force that there was this new thing called breakthrough pain. And if you have breakthrough pain, you just need to double the dose, no big deal. Can yeah. you believe that shit? And That's they insane. knew that for over a decade and still did absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And just finally, it took decades for the law to finally catch up to them because it's just a such a terrible broken system in the US. We, I mean, mm -hmm. we gotta do something like, and it yeah. did detail how like other countries pretty much gave the Sacklers a middle finger. They said, no, go fuck yourself. We're not gonna allow you to sell this in our country. This is a fucking crime. Yet in the US, we're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're the best country in the world. Sure, here you go. Oh, by the way, here's a million people dead because of Hmm. us not doing our job right at the FDA. It kind of gets me going. I can see that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm hijacking, okay. uh, hijacking our conversation with shit that everyone who's listened to my show has already heard before, <laughs> but it just gets me going. Yeah. So, <laughs> back to nutrition. Well, and that's where, well, and that's where, like, if you, the intention was always to do good, right? And then at some point, it became something different, unfortunately. Yeah, you hope that's you hope the intention was good, and then when when you start to realize that it's going bad, they are put in a very difficult position because they've invested a ton of time and effort into this thing, mm -hmm. whether it's Facebook, whether it's OxyContin, mm -hmm. and with with the Purdue Pharma specifically, they had a choice: close their business or continue to push this drug because mm -hmm. they'd invested so much money into it. I mean, that's not an easy decision. Well, it's not easy depending on like how s the significance you add to success, right? Like having the money, I guess it's more the significance that you add to money than anything else, right? What else would motivate them to keep, what, w what would have that choice be hard? In their specific case, they were all second generation, like their mm -hmm. their uncle, I guess, had built the company up and made it what it was. And so they were all, you know, to, to say it lightly, trust fund babies that were like now running the company. Mm -hmm. And they were faced with, we're going to completely destroy the whole thing that our family's built, mm -hmm. or we just turn a blind eye and push things as hard as we can until someone stops us. That's kind of short-sighted because in the end, doesn't it? destroy the reputation of the company. Yeah, but they also, I think it was the biggest drug of all time. Like it, it broke records left and right. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe I have that wrong, but yeah. for that specific company, I mean, it was billions and billions and billions of dollars. So even though they're paying a lot of money in reparations, 
I don't know if reparations is the right word. Sounds right. I feel like I've heard sure. that thrown around. Yeah. Um, they lost a lawsuit and it was one of the biggest payouts in, yeah. in history. And it, it, it's a good thing. I, I think people need to learn that executives need to pay for this shit. With, right. with that case, it was a, a family owned business. So it's a lot easier to have a little bit of seedy underbelly mm -hmm. shit going on instead of a public company. I think. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it it does go to show that like Facebook, there's always this story behind it. And it really goes to, if you have something really powerful, mm -hmm. like Facebook has turned into be one of the mm -hmm. most powerful tools known to man. And we're just now realizing that. How soon did the company realize the potential damage? And maybe they don't even believe it. Maybe they believe the good that they're doing because there is a lot of good through something like that. Maybe they believe the good outweighs the bad. And naturally we always focus on the bad first. Maybe right. we're being too hard on good old Zuckerberg. Maybe he's a nice guy. Yeah, I think you never know until you talk with somebody, right? Like you're doing. You don't know yeah. what drive, like we can appreciate how many conversations happen between our own ears, right? Like we know that there are a lot of those internal things that are going on and thoughts about everything and i think that it's easy to forget for me at least that other people are potentially having the same internal struggle and if it's not vocalized it's easy to paint someone as a villain because you don't understand and appreciate what they're actually thinking about and what they're going through and you don't know that until you have a conversation with them nailed it try to tell uh, democrats that same thing about trump Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any exceptions to that rule? <laughs> well, I don't think there is. Like, I think um, I was listening to a call the other day and someone was talking about how they started to realize that what they're doing is they're demanding that people meet them where they are, like with any given topic or anything that they're talking about, rather than meeting people where they are. And like, for me, that was just incredible to just start to realize, like, even in my arguments with John, when I get real positional, I'm like, no, you got to see my side. You got to see my side. But it completely shifts the conversation. And then he usually can like get back to my side if I just give, if I get to his side first. Right. And I'm like, okay, what is like, what's going on with you? Oh, okay. Now I got it. And then like, I don't even need to say anything. And it's like a moot point. You know, have you heard of the term steel man? No. Have you heard of the term straw man? I think I might have heard it, but I have no idea like what the meaning is or context or any of that. I, I'm this is very new as literally like just this morning. I, I kept hear, hearing people throw around straw man and steel man. And I, I kind of knew what straw man was, but I had no idea what steel man was. So straw man in in a sense is you just take the weakest part of someone's argument and just focus on that one part. But you're never going to come to a conclusion between you. You're never going to come to a, a resolution because you're just attacking this one little piece. And the steel man argument is the exact opposite. And it usually has a lot better effect. It's you take their argument and you try to truly fully understand it and then help them piece together the best possible argument that they can from their standpoint and then go from there with your discussion. Mm -hmm and it helps them understand their argument better, it could potentially change your own mind as you're doing it. But if there is an actual hole in 
the other person's argument, you try to build it up and you say, yeah, but, but this little piece doesn't work. What about this piece? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, I'm object objectively now looking at something and maybe it's not fully 100%. And it, it takes away from the binary part of a conversation. It takes it away from being an argument to an actual conversation. Right. Of, of trying to understand each other. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I really think you're either an ignoramus and you don't want to learn. You just have a side and your football team's always the best no matter what. <laughs> and cool like I'll, I'll drink some beers with you but i don't want to really have a deep conversation with you because you're an asshole but if you really <laughs> want to like learn and grow you have to admit that you're wrong in fact that should be your default you should be like you know what i'm probably wrong about 99.99 percent stuff so let's figure out what those are mm -hmm. that's when you start growing yeah and i think um where it gets interesting is like when people talk in generalizations, but then they like attack something specific, right? So it's like, I mean, if you generalize something, can it ever 100% of the time be true? Like, I don't think anyone's ever saying that, right? But then we specifically point out where it's not true. And it's like, well, a generalization, like, I don't even know what the definition of generalization is, but like, I can't imagine it says 100% of the time it's true, right? Yeah. Well, right now we have, okay, we'll just take a political, like there's people that just hate Biden because they want to hate Biden, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to look for stupid shit that Biden has done, guess what? You're going to find it. Yeah. He's a human being. Welcome to being human being. Yeah. But if the, if you're looking for good stuff that Biden, Biden has done, you might find, no, you, you're going to find it as well. Right. Yeah. And so it, it it makes me nauseous when people are constantly sending me like messages or emails or something like, have you seen this? And it's just a headline of this mm -hmm. blatant, it may be like partially quasi true, mm -hmm. but it has like no actual basis behind anything. It's like, can you believe this? Although some of that shit's kind of funny. Speaking of shit, did you hear about Biden taking a dookie at the, at the Vatican? No. I, I think he pooped his pants while it was, uh, at the Vatican meeting with wow. the Pope. That's gotta be like rough, man. And then to have the whole entire world like, oh, by the way, and then everyone's just spreading that everywhere. And here I am doing it like an asshole. Maybe I'll edit that part out. <laughs> I was like, <"Geez." laughs> That was actually like one of the best quotes I read recently about like, it didn't use the word hypocrisy, but like, man, we say one thing and we do another all the freaking time. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really think there are exceptions to every single rule. And it, it goes back to what is the end driving game with, with like Biden crapping his pants. I just think that's funny. I mean, I've crapped my pants. Who hasn't? Right. Mm -hmm. But I've never done it at the Vatican. That's mm -hmm. awkward. But I don't think that actually affects his presidency. And that's right. where people will be just like, I can't believe we have a president like this. He pooped his pants. I'm like, well, like, what about his policies, though? I don't know. Yeah, like, I didn't realize that was, I mean, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I just think it's hilarious. Oh. And that's like one of the things I think excites me about what you're doing is because I was listening to, I think it was Brene Brown, a podcast that she did. And I don't remember if she actually explicitly said this or if this is just what occurred to me as I was hearing it. But I was like, man, it's become such a problem to be a human, you know, like 
the things that we all do, we have like no tolerance for in others, but we expect tolerance ourselves, right? Like, and if we could just all walk around being generous and gracious with each other, man, I feel like a lot more would get done. (laughs) Amen. You know, I just had a, you know, it dawned on me that when I do something that I perceive as bad, Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm normally not spreading that around to the world. I am now because I'm on a podcast and I'm trying to be <laughs> as open as possible and embarrass myself every day, but I'm doing a pretty good job out about it. Um, embarrassing to myself at least. But most people aren't going to say what they've done. And to your point, they're going to point it out in others. And it makes it this thinking about the person that's doing it. They're making themselves their own victim because they're creating this duplicity in their own brain to where they now can't forgive themselves. Right. And the only way to cope with that is either admit you're wrong and actually face it and do what you can to make up for it. But that's going to require you to fly in the face of all your buddies around you and maybe miss that sale of that huge, whatever, whatever contract it is like, no, I I can't say that because I'm going to miss out on that sale. Mm -hmm. And so you're sitting there conflicted in your own mind and maybe they use alcohol to hide it, or maybe they go home and beat their husband or whatever it is. Like there's so much shit that just, it adds on and adds on and adds on. And it seems like such a small, tiny thing. But when you add it up over an entire lifetime, no wonder we're all so fucked up Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. It's insane how we actually survive as a society. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, I, um, I was taking a seminar and during the seminar, we were talking a little bit about like how the action patterns like throughout your entire life, right, are stored in your brain. And regardless of whether or not you like think you can recall it. And when something occurs similar to something that you've like survived, like in the past, right, then this, like I call it a protocol, like I think of it as a protocol, like this protocol gets initiated. It's like, oh, we're going to run this because we survived in the past doing this because I'm here now so I can do it again. Right. And it's so automatic and we just don't give like anybody like the space to just have the automatic reaction and like let them go through it. Right. And this happened to me the other day. It was actually when uh, Bobcat called me to ask me something. And as soon as I hung up with them, I was like, oh man, now there's one more thing I gotta remember to do later. Like there was just like, I was like in go mode, you know, just doing all these things, running errands. And I I stopped for a moment and I was like, huh, this is like an anxiety protocol that's happening right now. Look at what my body's doing right now. Like it was just like so crazy to experience it as like the automatic, protocol and I could just let it do its thing and then when it was done I was like all right let's keep driving and do our thing but like it was just it's an I'm so curious to like discover all the places I do that where I don't recognize that there's just like this thing that's happening because I've done it before and it worked for me before and like we'll just keep going with it right and Mm -hmm. um you know it's hard for us to like even give ourselves like to your point the grace to do to have that be what's there, right? But then to even give it to others is another thing too. There was a study I read about hitchhiking, talking about, you know, forgiving yourself and others on the same topic. So there's two types of people. There's people who pick up hitchhikers 
and there's people that don't. Mm -hmm. The people that pitch up, pick up hitchhikers would themselves or have in the past hitchhike and they would expect someone to pick them up because they're the type of person that would pick up a hitchhiker. Okay? Yeah. Someone who would never pick up a hitchhiker wouldn't even consider hitchhiking. Yeah. And going back to forgiveness and calling out other people on bullshit, even though we're hypocrites and we do the same thing, it's that it's that same thing. So we have this this protocol in our mind that's just been there forever and mm -hmm. something in our past decided, hey, this is how we're going to do it. It usually comes back to fight or flight, whatever, you know, it's some. Yeah, there's like th two more words added to that now, isn't there? What is it? Uh, freeze. Oh, the other one is, a, is another F word as well. And I felt like I could really relate to it when I heard it and I cannot think now of it I right now. I wish my internet was up. Yeah, and no I didn't even bring my phone to like be able to Google anything. Who um, had the stupid idea of doing a studio in a trailer? God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe if we inched closer that, yeah, I, I think in the driveway it would have been just the same. I actually do have like internet. a, like a 250 foot ethernet cable that I got. And I'm like, yeah, this could come in handy, handy you know, eventually. But then I'm like, I'm not gonna go to people's houses, say, hey, can I drag this through your front door and hook up into your Wi-Fi router? That's just really awkward. This is really awkward. Well, you could just do it for what works, right? <laughs> I, well, it, this was working earlier, oh, but okay. yeah. we're, we're gonna have to uh, look that up afterwards and I'll, I'll put it in the cliff notes. Yeah, I can't think of what it is now and that's gonna really... But the third one's freeze. So the third one's, yeah, I've heard fight, flight, freeze, uh, yep, not kind of into me. Mm -hmm. Are you are you familiar with the term monkey mind? I've heard it. Yeah. It's where like back when humans were, you know, not as evolved, our main concern was just survival. Right. And so we were always constantly mind bouncing around everywhere possible because if there's a bush rustling or something sneaking up on us, we got to react immediately or we die. You mm -hmm. know. Um, Thank God we don't have to live like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's due to a lot of stuff, mostly mm -hmm. civilization. And I think that's something that we as humans need to start reminding each other that we don't need. And once you realize you don't need that anymore, yeah. there's certain circumstances to where, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be ready, but mm -hmm. that's so rare in our society now. Yeah. For good or bad, we have a nerfed society whether you love it or not, we're living in it. And mm -hmm. so now that we have that safety, we have the capability to put our minds towards some way cooler shit. Yeah. If we can get over the fact that we're constantly having this anxiety of like, what's gonna get me? What's gonna get me? Well, well nothing, Jace. Nothing's gonna fucking get you except mm -hmm. for you. Your yeah. biggest enemy is your brain not stopping. You just need to stop it for like five seconds. Mm -hmm. And that of the, I'm almost on episode 50 now mm. and I'm, I'm kind of thinking of maybe doing like a synopsis of like what I've learned on the, on the That'd be cool. 50 episodes, but I mean, breaking it down to just a few things, it's being able to rewrite your brain and mindfulness and being able to stop and listen is such mm -hmm. a huge part of that. Yeah. And I used to think that was just mumbo jumbo crazy shit. <laughs> and now it's like, between science and then just anecdotal evidence for the past 2,000, 5,000 years, I'm like, oh, how did I not know about this? We literally can rewrite our past in a very real way. Yeah. No, the actions that happened 
back then aren't changing, mm -hmm. but the the protocol as you said that we write in our brains mm -hmm. when we get knocked with whatever it is and it could be something super benign seemingly mm -hmm. but we have this protocol in our brain that that is based directly back to that monkey mind from back in the day mm -hmm. and you, we can actually change that we can actually say all right jace this has worked for you in the past but at what cost mm -hmm. do you want to continue paying that cost no Oh, well change your protocol then, bro. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I don't know how it's too hard. Well, well it's hard, but there's mm -hmm. steps and we know how now, and there's so many different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. We just have to be searching for it. And I don't think people realize that it's even an option. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I had to have a midlife crisis and start a podcast and travel around the entire country <laughs> to figure it out. Yeah. I actually had to have conversations with people and like actually listen for once in my life mm -hmm. instead of just talking. Mm -hmm. Even though my job's talking now. <laughs> and listening. It's both. And listening. I need to get better at that part. No, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, on nutrition. Yep. Actually, before we get to that, you brought up that you went to a seminar. Mm -hmm. um, did you find it helpful? I've always thought about going to, like, was it like one of those, like, um, what was the seminar about? Let me ask you that. So the seminar most recently, the one where I like got the protocol thing is called Be Here Now. And it's a seminar through Landmark. I don't know if you've heard of Landmark. What's Landmark? You mentioned it earlier yeah. and I did a little research, but I wasn't sure it was the right website. I think it was. But was it landmarkworldwide.com? I don't know. I'm not sure. If I'd it look was, it up right now, but right I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so what um, is Landmark? So they're a personal uh, development company. And so... Okay, that was the one. They do like... Um, they go, they have two different divisions. It looked like from their website, one goes to corporations and help employees like be the best employee they can. Mm -hmm. And then the other side is just for individuals, like mm -hmm. trying to take that next step. Does that sound about right? Yeah. So it's, um, adeptly, I think it's Vanto group. Is that, does that sound familiar? Is the mm -hmm. kind of more businessy side. And then, uh, the, the form, the landmark form is the first course. And then once okay. you take that, that gives you access to pretty much like all the other courses. So they have seminars that take place on weeknights and you meet for 10 sessions. Like um, in person? So we, when I did my forum, I was in person. Now everything's been moved to online okay. and we're looking at like how to, they're looking at how to structure it um, to be safe in doing it in person, to create social distancing and things like that. But I mean, the way that Zoom is now, where you could do like breakout rooms and stuff like that is pretty cool that you can still kind of get a similar effect to being in person. Because for me, what made the biggest difference when I did these courses, so the, the forum is three days and two evenings. So it's like a full, like a full weekend. Um, and being in conversation with people, hearing what people are struggling with, like you were saying earlier and realizing hey, I might not have that exact struggle, but I never thought to look at what's going on over here in that particular way before. And so it just like gives you more freedom in, in that. And um, just really getting how way more similar we are to everybody that we are different. And, um, and so after that, I've taken many, many seminars. I love um, just being in the conversation. Like it makes a huge difference for me to just to be able to talk about talk with people about the kind of things that we talk about in the courses, which is kind of like what we've been talking about right now. It's not really any different from that. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just, yeah, you get to like, 
you get to see how the past is influencing you right now in ways that you might not have seen before. It's kind of like, I feel like it's more like coaching than a class. Is there a specific topic that they drive towards or is it more of an open forum where every single session is incredibly individualized because it's the actual participants sharing everything? That's a really cool question because it is that. It's basically, there are distinctions. So there are like a set number of distinctions, but the individual brings what the conversation is inside of distinguishing the distinction. What Define distinction for me in that Ooh, context. <laughs> okay. How would I describe distinction? And I'm going to turn the AC a little bit. Yeah. Cold. Oh, no, I'm fine. Um, man. I should have a good way to describe distinction. And w while you're thinking about it, the reason I ask that mm -hmm. is because with with the concept of whether it's rewriting your processes, mm -hmm. um, neuroplasticity, different, same thing, different name, um, whether it's meditation, whether it's therapy, all of these things are different things that help us take those little, you know, these algorithms that we have set in our brain that may have too heavy of a cost and we can probably do life a little bit different mm -hmm. and more efficient and better without any of the trauma that it brings with us and I guess the, the monetary cost is such a big hurdle I'm finding out right now that of all the different ways to do it and I, I guess I'll break it up into three different ways uh, self work through meditation mindfulness training you can do it through a therapist mm -hmm. or you can do it through um, psychedelics is coming to be a right. pretty forefront runner in that um, psychedelics can be super expensive unless you're growing your own stuff but even the to learn how and everything um, meditation it's free just have to figure out how to do it go yep. on YouTube look up 12 minute meditation or 12 minute mindfulness training there's like a thousand videos therapy not so much therapy is insanely expensive mm -hmm. um, like I went on betterhelp.com to okay. I followed through with the promise I made to one of my guests mm -hmm. and uh, ended up like signing up. They, they make you do like four weeks at a time and it's $60 per week. So you have to pay 240 bucks just in one go. And I don't think most households can do that. Mm -hmm. um, luckily I'm in a place where I can afford that. But then I broke it down and I'm like, well, if I just, if I do one session a week, that's only 60 bucks per session. And that's like, third of the cost of a cheap therapist. Like mm -hmm. normally you're paying what, like 150 bucks an hour? I think so, yeah. Up to a thousand bucks an hour for the, you know, the high end stuff. So the reason I asked that original question when I'm talking about this whole like run on sentence is it, how can how can we as humans get the therapy when we can't get the therapy? Mm. And is that what part of the landmark process is is getting you to actually open up where you wouldn't in a you wouldn't with your husband or your family or friends but you would with perfect strangers um well and it is definitely distinct from therapy i would say like i have done probably like three different types of therapy uh working with different therapists 
And um, what I got out of Landmark was like totally different compared to to that. I feel like my, and this is like 100% my personal experience, but um, I feel like with therapists, we were looking more at like the why and the how. And then with like Landmark, it's kind of like the what for me. So it's like, I don't know that identifying, it's like, the way therapy started to occur for me was like, I was finding a way to justify my behavior, which is okay, like if that makes me feel better, but then what happens when something happens again? What am I gonna do with that? If I justified it and explained it away, then I've like set it aside. But we like we talked about, like there's the monkey mind pattern, right? It, it is a pattern. It's gonna continue to occur, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's interrupted, unless you rewrite it. Yeah. So I feel like my experience of therapy was a lot more about like identifying like why I do what I did. But depending on how you hear that, for me, it was like, oh, there's a justification for that I do this. And then there wasn't anything about after that. Does that make sense? A little bit. I'm following you. Yeah. So I would say like even like I, I think you could consider monkey mind a distinction you know, in the world and the way that I'm using it. Right. For it's, one of the, we said there are 10 different distinctions. In uh, the, no, I think there's more than that. I think it's like 30 something. And so it's just a specific emphasis on what that group is going to, or how they're going to discuss something, or is it w- what they discuss? So like, it's kind of like this, you know, like you brought up monkey mind and what the monkey mind is, and you could like try, I could try it on. Okay. In what way am I operating from a monkey mind today? Okay. Right. Like, okay. I'm operating from a monkey mind. Um, I guess I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like that would be a monkey mind, isn't it? Kind of like yeah, you right. have to figure that out. Um, and whatever then, takes your focus away from what you need to focus on. Yeah. And, um, or like when John says something and I hear it different from what it is, that's a monkey mind path I could go down, right? Like he'll say, um, did you do this? And depending on my mood, I will hear it as like a slight, like I forgot something or I'll just like get that he's trying to get information. But it 100% depends on how I'm listening to him. Interesting. Right? Uh-huh. So like that would be a way to like apply a, a distinction, right? Like you would just, so it's presented as like consider this, what if this was true about what, what it's like in your experience of life, you know? And if this is true, like, how do you see that as impacting you? How do you see you could apply something different? And that's kind of what, so that's why it's like a coaching conversation. And so it's going to be like, you're going to get the same distinctions regardless of which forum you're in. And it's going to be a totally different experience because it's your experience one and there are different people that are in there that are working with the leader to distinguish what there is to distinguish. So you're not like affiliated with them. You're just participant in it or are you? No. So I'm apprenticing right now to be a seminar leader. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was that helpful where you wanted to turn around and help other people. hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. It's like the, I mean, for me, it's fulfills on what I was talking about earlier about like what if it wasn't a problem to be a human being? Like, what if we could give? So like, for me, I, I want everyone to have the space to, I want to give space to humanity. That's what I want to do. You want to give space to humanity. Can you expand on that? Yeah. So it's like, 
if we know that we have these, what we've been calling protocols, right? And what I called protocol earlier. We know that there's things that we do that are based on past things that we've done, right? And they're 100% based on the past most mm -hmm. of the time, right? That's how yeah. the brain knew to do what it did. It was like, hey, we did this before when this happened. Let's do it again. Well, right? every moment we're in, everything else is the past, right? Yeah, 100%. So that's all we have to draw from, right? Mm -hmm. And if we could just allow others to initiate their protocols without reacting to the protocol, without like making them wrong for what they're doing. So just that's for, I mean by space. <laughs> I'm definitely following you, but it dawned on me that there might not be people that get the protocol thing. Would you, would you be able to like give a specific example, like a scenario of uh, playing that out? Mm -hmm. Like you're talking to someone, you say something and all of a sudden they have a, like, give me an example of like what kind of protocol someone could have, like what reaction that would cause, what would drive it and what would their reaction be? So I feel like it'd be easier for me to speak for myself. And just so you know, like I call it a protocol. That's like a hundred percent my word. Cause that's just like how it works. No, I in my like brain. that. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like a, well, I, I've been talking a lot about neural networks. Like mm -hmm. your neuroplasticity is very malleable at a young age. And for years, psychologists, thought and i'm getting us way off track but we'll get back but we thought that as an adult you just couldn't change your brain and we're now knowing that's not true so protocol is like you've had something that pathway that pathway gets deepened and deepened and deepened that protocol gets more set and set in stone or algorithm or whatever it is that our computer brains are mm -hmm. and it's able to recognize what we're doing why we're doing it and being able to potentially say oh this is a better way of reacting to that that input. Does that sound about right? Mm -hmm. Protocol. Okay. So I, for an example, for me would be, um, if John walks in the door and immediately asks me, did I do blah, 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 blah. I instantly initiate like a protocol where I feel like I've disappointed him. So I have to get like really justified about like, well, this is why I didn't get it done. Like, why are you asking me this? Couldn't you just say hi for like, you know, like, and that is a hundred percent a protocol from when I was a kid, you know, mm. and my parent, like my mom, I think was probably the, would do this the most, I would say, <laughs> where she would come in and she'd be like, did you blah, 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 like all this stuff. Right. Like, and I think it's just because it popped up in her brain. And so she wanted to ask it in that moment, because I don't know about you, but like if I don't write something down, like I like to just get it resolved the moment I think of it because mm -hmm. I know it's disappearing. Right. And I know that about myself. But if my mom does it, if I'm not giving her any kind of space to have her own reaction to it, she has her own protocol. Right. So it's like the automatic behavior that I initiate or the automatic dialogue that I have in my own head. So I guess it's more like a monologue, the monologue that I have in my head. <laughs> Sometimes right? there's dialogues and even whole groups of conversations. Oh yeah, there could be there. a whole tribe. I know I, I was doing this other um, program with a, a yoga teacher and she kept calling it the itty bitty shitty committee. And I was like, dang, that's spot on. That's like good. it is kind of the that's itty good. bitty like shitty committee. Like a peanut gallery in your head. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I mean when I like, giving the space it's like if we could just and i think it starts with ourselves like we definitely don't do that we expect others to give us space i think sometimes but we don't give our own selves space so let me get this right by space you mean 
we all have these weird, stupid ways of reacting in a poor way. And when something happens and I'm going to inevitably react in a poor way, having space is me being able to just go through this stupid reaction and the other person having a mental capacity, emotional capacity to be like, all right, this isn't real. This is just his mm -hmm. craziness that mm -hmm. is humanity. Let it pass. You know, as Daniel Tiger says, take a big breath and count to four, mm -hmm. except he sings it. <laughs> if you have kids, um, great. Daniel Tiger, it's like, have you ever heard of Daniel Tiger? I don't think so. Well, it's, uh, it's kids, Mr. Rogers' so. Neighborhood, but it's a um, cartoon tiger. Oh, okay. It's it. pretty adorbs, mm -hmm. but we need to allow people, including Rogers, sorry. the best. <laughs> He's so forward thinking. Like, oh, yeah. People ask me like, so what do you aspire to be? I'm like, you know what? If uh, Joe Rogan and Mr. Rogers had a love child, I hope to be, you know, kind of like <laughs> that, you know, podcasting extraordinaire, but just a nice guy. Like I want to be your neighbor. Yeah. But I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm still. Have you watched both of like the Tom Hanks movie and the documentary? I have not watched either of those, to be honest. Oh with my you. gosh! Okay, so good. I was just a mess. I did watch uh, PBS actually produced a I don't even know what to call it, where you take all the clips and you turn it into a song using like a voice modulator, and so it has Mr. Rogers singing, rapping this song about just being kind to others, and I just straight up broke down and cried mm -hmm. and it was like a joke little song but i'm like that dude i know that right dude yeah so uh, so past his time mm -hmm. like if only everyone had him as their hero and actually tried to be like that guy mm -hmm. but you're talking about daniel tiger before you got to, <laughs> just, just to loop us back oh uh, thank you mr rogers for creating daniel tiger's neighborhood which talks about taking a breath big breath counting to four mm -hmm. giving space for others and ourselves as much as we need before we actually address an issue. Is that sound about right? Yeah. So that's for me what I'm like noticing, like that's my own individual take on like what my experience has been throughout the courses that I've done is that we can actually just let something be as it is, which is like, oh, this is the protocol. Let me just let this be the protocol instead of making the protocol wrong. Like let it just be the protocol, right? Life's complicated. <laughs> yes, I would say that's accurate. But man, as long as it stays exciting, humans are so versatile. They're the most adaptable things in the universe. Mm -hmm. Well, that we know of. And man, I just, that that's what makes me hopeful is just see the strides that we've made. And when you look at the, the small bits of history that we have and you try to piece it, the whole picture together, you have these huge chunks of time to where humans, we changed a lot, yep. but I mean, relatively speaking, man, exponentially, we are just getting shorter and shorter and shorter times or spans of time before we drastically do a 100% overhaul on what humans really are. Mm -hmm and growing pains are real <laughs> and if we understand that we're going to have growing pains that is going to be the first step to us being able to forgive our forgive ourselves for saying stupid shit right and then and doing stupid shit but then 
because we're able to actually forgive forgive ourselves and realize that we are hypocrites all the time, Mm -hmm. then we're going to be able to say, okay, you asshole politician, you really messed up, but the only way that you're going to come clean and expose the corruption that's all up there, because we know there is, and every level there is, every organization, every person, Mm -hmm. to the smallest and biggest there's there's corruption there's shit that we do wrong there's bad protocol Mm -hmm. and we have to be able to say okay we would rather have you come out and own up to your mistake and we're not going to lynch you but i don't see that happening anytime soon based off the current current climate on social media i don't think we're close yet i'm hoping we can get there i'm hoping we can get to a point where we just ignore headlines that are anything that's like dumpster fire we're just like nope not gonna even look at Mm -hmm. not gonna look at not gonna look at Mm -hmm. that's when shit's gonna change but we have to like we have to educate every single person on the face of the planet to the point where the algorithms of facebook are feeding us puppy videos instead of (laughs) beheadings yeah 100 percent. yeah it's and it starts with that capacity that you talked about like the capacity to forgive ourselves and it is just building and expanding on our capacity i think that was a great word Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm just a carpenter, but sometimes I use good words. <laughs> I, and I am now a uh, sound studio um, construction manager. Mm-hmm. And this thing's already falling apart because I went Uh-oh. to Louisiana and the roads are trash. Louisiana, pay more taxes, or at least use the taxes in the right way. Because, yeah, this thing was falling apart. Everything was all over the place. That little thing fell off. I mean, it. It's hard yeah. to make a, a mobile studio. I can't even imagine. And that's like, for me, one of the funniest experiences when we were at an Airbnb, not Airbnb, we were at a bed and breakfast in North Carolina. And John has lived in Texas his entire life. And he's lived like around Houston his entire life, right? Mm. And the Airbnb owner said, man, your roads are horrible. And he was like, what? Like, no clue. And now he's like, I wish you never told me that. <laughs> I had I had no idea that our roads were horrible. I was like, really? Like you had no no rec- I mean, I guess if he drove these streets for so long, right, compared to other people who like I just obviously came here from Virginia and our streets are different there. We don't have to deal with the how close to sea level we are here and all that stuff. But it was just so funny to me. I was like, man, I guess it's kind of like what we've been talking about, right? Like you don't know what you don't no like and he didn't know that there was something different than the roads in texas and sure enough texas roads are not great (laughs) ignorance is bliss exactly (laughs) that's why we we don't like learning about ourselves because at a young age you think everything's perfect Mm -hmm. both about yourself and the world Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden bam you just get whacked in the face with reality and you're like, shit, that hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't want that anymore. Don't tell me anything. I want my ignorance. Mm-hmm. And then life's like, nope, 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 nope. You can't have ignorance. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. And then it's just back to back to back. And you finally find an equilibrium where you're like, okay, found a good place. Mm-hmm. Now this is reality. And then whack, mm-hmm. you know, back to back to back. And so it, it only stops when you truly end yourself, you know, the mm-hmm. whole know thyself. That that phrase went from meaning absolutely nothing. In fact, I, it, it, 
I mean, it, it was stupid because it seemed obvious, like, know thyself. I mean, Jace, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. But then you have, like, some experience where you just are broken, whether it's through any anything. You could lose a Little League game, or you could get beat up, or mm -hmm. you could get abused sexually, or you could lose your iPhone. If that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, it's still the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah. And you get broken, and all of a sudden, you're kind of crawling from those ashes, and you're willing to do anything to get out of them. Mm -hmm. And thank God that happens, because that's when people really start to break down the, okay, who am I really? I don't want to keep getting hit with these reality checks. I'd rather just know what reality is and start working towards that. But the only way you can do that is to start really hurting yourself. You really have to drudge yourself through, man, I've been wrong my whole life and so has everyone I've known. Yeah, and that's like a really cool place to look, right? Is in what ways have I been wrong? Like if everyone just did that a little bit, imagine what it would be like to be with other people because they'd have a capacity for wrong that they didn't have before if they realized they were wrong, right? Well, I'll give you the shortcut is mm -hmm. you're wrong always on everything. I, I'm not I actually don't think there is a right or wrong. Like there, there's, a, there's a song that's playing throughout the universe and we're all picking up different notes, but it's all the same song. And so you're like, oh, no, that's the wrong note, but it's in, it's in the same chord. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it works with this song that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so when you say, no, I am wrong on everything, what's the nuance? Like, what's the, what part of the chord progression am I in right here? That's when people come together because I'm speaking a different language than you. We are different in many ways. You're a very feminine person. Mm -hmm. I'm as, not as masculine as you can get, but my chest is, I, I have a sweater vest, even <laughs> when I take my shirt off. Mm -hmm. And we have seen through a long history that the very feminine and the very masculine type of personalities are super uber different. They just see things mm -hmm. so different that me and my wife will never, ever, ever see eye to eye ever. But once we accept that mm -hmm. and we recognize, okay, you're going to skew in the side of protecting the family and you're going to, mm -hmm. in your way through mm -hmm. like, no one's going to come to my door and stab us. And then my wife's going to take the, I'm going to protect the family by killing the evil bacteria all around the house. <laughs> and we, we value, she thinks the existential crisis is making sure we have a clean home. And my existential crisis is I want to make sure that we don't run out of propane so we don't die in a winter freeze, mm -hmm. which never had to say that in Texas before. Right. Yeah. That was a, and, the more that me and my wife are talking, we're, I'm trying to at least point out, hey, I'm never going to see your perspective on this. Mm -hmm. and you're never going to see my perspective. But I'm going to keep explaining it to you, mm -hmm. at least on a case-by-case on a -case specific level. Hey, this is why I acted this way. I really think it was the best way that I could act because I think that does mm -hmm. help our family. It helps out in this situation, mm -hmm. this why and why. And she could say, I don't really understand, but I, I trust that you think that's the best decision. Yeah. Well, and I think what you just like demonstrated or ex explained so brilliantly is at the end of the day, you are in fact committed to the same thing, which is protecting your family. It just looks different for you than it does for Treya, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it would be interesting if we all could just pause and like think of 
okay, what are they ultimately committed to behind what it is that they're saying? Maybe I don't agree with what's being said, but maybe I do agree with why they're saying it and why this matters to them. Like, that's one thing I started to get earlier this year. I think it was, I mean, obviously there was like a lot of political stuff that was going on. And I was just like, man, like, why is, like, why are we like this to each other? And what I started to think of, I was like, okay, what if we're all committed to the same thing? What if we're all committed to a world that works? Now, what your world working looks like could be different what my world working looks like, right? But what if every single human being is committed that the world works? Maybe it's for them, maybe it's for others, but simply the world that works, right? And it does look different for each and every person based on what they've grown up with, what they've experienced, what they want to avoid experiencing again, right? All of that is different. But I think at the end of the day, if you could just even relate to each person saying, how is this person trying to have the world work? You might actually have more capacity and more of that space I talked about to have a conversation with them. But yeah, what you said about Trey was brilliant. Like y'all are both committed to protecting your family. What that looks like for you and what that looks like for her could be different. But what it boils down to is like, that's what matters. Setting priorities with anyone that's part of your life, whether it's a, a life partner or whether uh, you live in Colorado City and have 14 life partners. It's a polygamy joke for all you Mormons. <laughs> um, we need to, we need to, to adding on to what you're saying, what we're both talking about is I think a lot of the stress back and forth is because we value different things. And if we set a priority of this is, we want to protect the family. We want to mm -hmm. protect the family. I value things more when I am maybe good at them. And I just mm -hmm. kind of relate this to like watching golf. Mm -hmm. People who don't play golf don't understand why people watch golf. <laughs> And then video games. There's a huge market of people simply watching other people play video games. Never knew that was a thing. M millions and millions upon millions. Like probably, man, I want to I want to look that up. I don't know. But like um, sold out stadiums. People will go. And in fact, Houston actually built a gamer specific viewing stadium just for video game viewing. Esports is what they call it. And so to you, you're like, why? Because I'm looking at your face. Why the hell would someone pay money, buy a ticket as if they're going to like a football game to go sit down and watch someone else play a video game for an hour? Mm -hmm. That makes no sense. Mm -hmm. But if you play video games, game recognizes game. And you're like, ooh, that's really good stuff. Same with basketball, same with football, same yeah. with all of these spectator sports, mm -hmm. same with anything entertainment. What we value changes based on, I think, what we understand and what we're good at. Yeah. And so me and my wife, maybe we're both overworked. Maybe mm -hmm. we're both busting our asses at stuff. And it's be because we spend our time on it, we're good at it. And so we value that so much more. So when I say, well, I'm doing this for the family, the balance just isn't there. She's like, well, yeah, you're doing stuff that doesn't have value, though. Mm -hmm. In her mind, 
her values just all the stuff that she understands most and my values all the stuff that i understand most and there's no way that we're going to be able to mix those worlds i mean we can work towards it and talk mm -hmm. and maybe invite each other into the different spaces and but at, at the end of the day we have to realize there is going to be an imbalance in what other people value and you need to give them space mm -hmm. to get through that protocol of just knee-jerk reaction i don't agree with you and then maybe meet them on the steel man mm -hmm. thing of like all right your point is this hard this hard this hard help me truly truly understand it on an empathetic level mm -hmm. try to put me in your shoes mm -hmm. and once you're there that's when you can say okay you're right mm -hmm. we're, bo we're both right we're both wrong we're mm -hmm. both right but this is where I need you to see my perspective because now that I'm in your shoes, I can see your perspective. And it's like, I can see where I look like a huge asshole now. That's not what I meant, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. We don't do that very often. No. It's more of a, uh, I think we really enjoy the emotion of it. We enjoy getting a rise. I think people want to be angry sometimes. Some people. Well, so that might be accurate and then there's like a follow-up question that I have to that. Like if you, what is driving the want to be angry? Cause I would assume that there is um, something you're avoiding and anger is, a, is having you avoid the thing that you're actually avoiding. Nowadays I've been thinking everything as a metaphor of, as a drug. Mm -hmm. um, we use drugs to Hide traumas and, mm -hmm. and pain addiction is mostly due to emotional stuff unless you know you get some oxy and you get actually physically dependent and so if we re react with emotion emotion is in a way sort of like a drug it's covering up whatever pain we're trying to hide we're mm -hmm. focused on that emotion mm -hmm. instead of focusing on the thing that hurts mm -hmm. deep inside and so we want to look at that headline that makes us mad we want our spouse to do something so we can blame them so we don't have yeah. to look at the the stuff inside that we've been hiding our whole lives that mm -hmm. we don't even know about and that's it sounds so like hippy dippy and mm -hmm. half the people in fact half of my friends who uh like would hear me talk like this be like what the fuck are you talking about jace because <laughs> they they're just the type of people that they've grown up in the same town their whole life and they mm -hmm. have this amazing life and it works for them and it's great yeah but it's just it's very rigid there's no there's no sway at all. So mm -hmm. if a population of Haitians moved in, they wouldn't know how to handle it in a mm -hmm. meted out manner. They wouldn't know to give space to themselves to be like, okay, let's think this through before I throw out, throw out hate Facebook posts mm -hmm. because people will look different than our community or sitting on our doorstep. And I'm using very specific examples without using names <laughs> right now. <laughs> These are actual real life situations. Um, I, I rambled. This beer no, no, is starting to feel pretty good now. <laughs> um, and I think there's something you said earlier, feels like a long time ago now, but about cost, right? And it's like, what is that life that you're living? What is it actually costing you? Like, because most of the time we might be like experience what we're getting out of it, right? Like, okay, this has been serving me. Like if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I guess in a way you could think of it, and I'm, this is just occurring to me, like, what if it's been broken and we didn't realize it this whole time? Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? But 
what if we didn't realize what if what we call fixed or not broken is actually broken and maybe i wouldn't even say broken yeah and here's why i'm just re like relating it to the yeah saying, yeah. yeah if it's <laughs> not broke don't fix it and if we're gonna go on the where both sides are right the the steel man for the guy that doesn't think it's broken the more conservative viewpoint is we found an amazing way to live that's really peaceful and content and happy for us yep leave us alone mm -hmm. just let us live our lives mm -hmm. and i don't really see anything wrong with that until we look at history and notice that those communities communities expand like rabbits because it is a very comfortable happy lifestyle and so mm -hmm. you just start fucking mm -hmm. and you have babies and you can afford because a stable lifestyle a homogenous society who has pretty rigid rules that everyone knows and follows by that works mm -hmm. it, it does but over time what happens is other parts of the world are changing mm -hmm. and your society is growing their society is growing and there's going to be some bleed over when that bleed over happens, if you haven't prepared yourself or your society for the struggle of change and the pain that comes with it, mm -hmm. I mean, let's, let's use hyperbole here. If you don't change, you're saying, what's the cost? Well, eventually it's genocide, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there have been some very successful societies in history that got there through just murdering the people that didn't agree with them. Yeah. And I mean, we did it with like all the other homos. I mean, homo sapien, homo uh, erectus, all those. Do you know that someone told me those are all considered humans? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I thought homo sapiens were human and then homo erectus and ho homo, what are they all the other, there were like a few other ones. They were all yeah. like uprights. We're technically all, uh, all humans and yeah. we murdered them. Have you read them. the book, uh, Sapiens? Uh-uh, what's that about? Oh. Sapiens? I could probably loan it to you. I haven't picked it up in a while. But in fact, it, someone that was telling me all this mentioned that book. Now that that's just uh, that it was mind. sounding like that book to me. So it's yeah. um, it is about just like the evolution of human beings and how we adapted and uh, kind of like what you're speaking to earlier about like the ways we've evolved and like how many how much we've grown like in like all the ways that you can grow basically. Right. Um, but it's, it's, I love how it's laid out. Like I can just appreciate the, for me, I just was constantly left and I'm always curious, but like with like asking more questions or like, huh, like it just was a very uh, fun read for me in that particular Pretty way. Pretty thought provoking. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to say what I was trying to say. Picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, there was, I think it was in a, I, so, you know, we have a Jung center here, right? Carl Jung. I need to look into that guy because his name keeps popping up left and right. And everything I hear that comes out of that dude's mouth is just like, hmm, I'm going to have to think on that the rest of my life before I understand. But it's, it's always something that I don't know. I don't really believe in intuition. Well, I'm starting to, but I, I get these little feelings. I'm just like, I need to. I need to delve into that a little more. Yeah. So and that when you're in Houston, like you can go, there's a, a library. So you could go check out a book. You could probably ask the librarian that's there at the Young Center and she can recommend like a good place to start with that. Or you can mm. just look on the internet too. 
Um, but he, I think it was in one of those classes. I think it was a re relationships class that I took there. Cause they do, they do also do their own courses as well. Some of them are just like a couple hours on a Saturday. Sometimes it's like recurring weekly ones that you can do there as well. Um, and I think they are doing some of them online also. Um, I'm, I'm not going to drive to Houston to go do that. I, I just know myself so well. I know it'd be mm -hmm. amazing and I should, but I'm we'll like, check out to see if they have them on because I do think at one point they were doing them online. I don't know if they've continued to do them online. So you might be able to do that. As that's a, a good way. idea. I actually mm -hmm. have a podcast downloaded to my phone that I'd meant to listen to. And here's the uh, sexism in me. When it started, uh, started out as a woman talking, I just immediately lost interest. Isn't that terrible? It's not terrible, but you could ask yourself, like, what about that? Like, I was expecting Young to be talking. Not, I, I knew it wasn't oh, him talking, okay. but in my head, I'm like, well, he's a dude. I want to listen to a dude. And maybe that's just my justification for me having like actual legit issues uh, with, I don't know, just, I don't know, I'm just being so, honest though. It was weird. It was a, a weird thing that I'm just like, huh, just completely turned off by this now. And I, I guess I have never delved into it. What do you think that could be? I'm gonna just guess this, but there could be, cause there's something you said earlier. What if it's more about like you trusting yourself to hear what she's saying? Like there's a relatedness that's instantly there, male speaking to male, right? You have okay. a male connection, so you can relate to what he's saying. So I'm, what I'm hearing, and I could be like totally off base, is you think that maybe you couldn't hear it if a female speaking it versus you could hear it if a male is. But I think you're actually more capable at listening to everybody than you give yourself credit for. Maybe in the past, mm -hmm. I've got some protocols in my pea mm -hmm. brain here that because I am very far to the masculine side, when I've spoken to people that are more on the other side of the scale to the feminine, I. I don't understand them. Mm -hmm. And because when I was a young kid, as most young kids are, you're Superman, you know everything. And so I've convinced myself that, oh, I have no idea what the heck they're talking about. They must, oh, so it's confronting. They must be an idiot. <laughs> and yeah. it's now it's not necessarily that protocol, but the outcome still works. So I've just kept with it mm -hmm. without addressing why. But it, I think it makes sense. And I don't think it's a misogynistic thing to understand that because I am more on the masculine side, I would be able to better communicate, pass information back and forth between someone that can see me. That's why I think mm -hmm. in therapy, like when I did my the better help like mm -hmm. questionnaire, it asked it asked sex, it asked you have a preference. And I put I put no preference because I did have a pause there. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It did end up, you know, putting me with the guy and mm -hmm. I guess maybe that's it maybe i think that i could relate more but i think you're right in the sense that i'm wrong that i think if we want to expand as individuals and as humanity in general general we have to a understand that yes you are going to have a larger bandwidth with someone who is more in line with you who speaks the same language mm -hmm. but isn't the point trying to get better at speaking the same or speaking language with mm -hmm. people who are different? Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do here. So yeah, I'm going to listen to lady Carl Young. Thank you <laughs> for uh, walking through that with me. <laughs> um, and one of the things that like has been popping up for me about like one of the courses I took with him or not with him. Cause he, I, 
he was around when Freud was around, so I don't know when he passed away, but I'm pretty sure he's no longer living. When was Freud around? I don't even know, like the 40s? Uh, I think 20s. Ooh, I baby. it was earlier. Yeah, so I guess that's, oh man, that's like... That is literally 100 years, 100 years ago. ago. <laughs> it's kind of weird to think about. Um, so in the class, what I remember is talking about, like, there was a difference between acceptance and agreement. And I think where we usually have problems is we collapse those two. So like what you were saying about like Treya, like I'm never gonna get your perspective, mm -hmm. right? But I think you can accept her perspective as her reality and as mm -hmm. her truth, right? And you might not agree with it. You might think it's inaccurate, but you can still accept that like that's her truth. That's her value. Like that's how that's how reality is for her, which mm -hmm. is totally different from agreeing with the reality, right? Yeah, I think a big disconnect where I personally have had in my life a lot, and when I talk to my guy friends that are a little bit more on the conservative side, I think this is one of their concerns, is currently right now in America, we do have, you know, capitalism's running stuff. Mm -hmm. And they believe, and I, I truly do believe as well, that capitalism is the best thing we've had so far it has brought humanity to an amazing place mm -hmm. and so we can't discount it we can't just get rid of it and i feel that the value for me and for some guys that i relate with is that at the end of the day we do have to have the almighty dollar to you know reach our dreams mm -hmm. and so that's what i put like a large part of the value towards it's like mm -hmm. taking it politically they're like well that's cool. Feelings are nice. Yeah, we want to take care of poor people, but at the end of the day, we got to have an economy that works or mm -hmm. else everyone's going to hurt, right? So it's a it's just a value thing. And heck, I guess that goes to the political spectrum. We all want the same exact thing. It's just we think that there's a different path to it. And I think both sides are right. Yeah. It's a good way to say that. Both sides are right. And that solves nothing. Thanks <laughs> thanks Jace for just telling us something we all already know. Well, Sometimes it's good to hear it. It makes you actually think about it, right? Because knowing it, like, I don't know, just having it be like a passing thought that you know versus actually like engaging with it as like a thing to think about is totally different. You know, earlier I brought up like, you know, you're talking about uh, letting people off the hook or not necessarily that, but treating them like a human, knowing they mm -hmm. have a story. And I brought up the most- Do you hear what you just said? <laughs> what did I say? You said letting them off the hook. Do you hear? That's not what I said. No, I think I did. I, I, that's, but that's how you heard it. I, I get how that's how you heard it though, right? Oh, I guess so, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I was trying to remember the the context that you were saying it in. Mm -hmm. I was I was going back in to, and I didn't want to misquote you. Yeah. And so I I said, I was about to say forgiveness, but you were talking more on the sense of, and so I, that's why I said let it off the hook because yeah. like we were talking about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But in, when you were talking about it, it was more in the sense of they have their own story, and that we need to treat them like a human before we give them crap for all the stupid stuff they've done. Yeah. And so I, I immediately went to Trump because he's the most probably divisive figure we've yep. had in human history. That <laughs> and might be something everyone agrees on. Hey, we're all together. <laughs> uh, well, no, if you're a Trump fan, you think that he's you brought us all together. Uh, mm -hmm. They're, well, 
see, I'm knee-jerk reacting people who actually think Trump's a good guy still. I just don't, I just don't know how. They might appreciate divisiveness. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think they recognize the cost of go. it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one thing we didn't touch on as much as I wanted to, because I think that's something that when people start or stop looking at things as good and bad, mm-hmm. and you simply just say, okay, what is the cost mm-hmm. of this action? Mm-hmm. What is the cost of even down to what, what's the cost of this protocol? What's the cost of me living my life in this very specific way? But also if we make a change, yes, it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. What's the cost benefit? Yeah. And so we're like, Hey, this works for me right now, but what is the cost? Mm-hmm. And when we start looking at it that way, it almost takes it away from the subjective more to, to the objective. There, there's mm-hmm. always going to be subjectivity in there because of our value systems change, mm-hmm. but we can start actually, that's why I love economics so much because it's something we can actually at least try to put a number to. And there's really, you, you're going to have two different economists that can look at the data and come up with a slightly different number, but it's going to be close. And mm-hmm. so, that's why I think science needs to be something that we all actually learn what the hell it is and not the crap that we're calling science nowadays because mm-hmm. we label everything science, yet there's no actual science that's been done. Like the, like again, go back to that dope sick. Just watch dope sick, guys. <laughs> it's going to teach you a lot about just the awful situation that we're in right now. But also mm-hmm. it's not it takes away like this conspiracy theory evil bad government too yeah because you you think oh all these rich people are out to get us and you're like well i think most of them are doing what they're good at and that's making money and that actually has worked out for the world so far Mm -hmm. yes there are people who get in power who are just complete dirt bags and i would say pure evil mm-hmm. not pure evil again going they're all human they they had daddy issues they had to keep up to the family name but mm-hmm. i think a big problem i hesitate even saying this because i i don't know if i've got it fully thought out but how many issues do we have with people who inherit things versus build things oh because mm-hmm. if we want to make the world a better place don't we want to reward people who are actually making things better for society? We should focus on making things as efficient and easy as possible for anyone Mm -hmm. who is willing to rise up and actually make something of themselves in their lifetime. But I think where things start going awry is when you have daddy who is freaking Hercules and he's on the top of the world, and then he passes on everything he's amassed onto Hercules Jr. And Hercules Jr. didn't build the muscles required to hold that huge weight. And all of a sudden, he's able to make global policy, and he hasn't earned it. Yeah. And I know I'm stepping on toes by saying this, but I, if we're if we want to really just make the world a better place and start solving problems, maybe we should kind of actually make changes that fosters a real meritocracy instead of what mm-hmm. we currently have right now, which really isn't that. It's really people in power trying to keep everyone else from gaining power. Yeah. 
No, and I think that's really great. Like the the whole muscle building thing, you know, like that's that's like such a great way to have put it. Where there's like almost an expectation of experience and practice that's there with the next generation that they never even had the opportunity to get. They didn't have the opportunity to practice what I mean. No one has the opportunity to practice what you practice, right? Like every person's different in what they're able to practice because of what experiences they're dealt with their life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in like one thing that I've been really like looking into like recently is the whole idea of like there isn't gonna, I don't think there's ever gonna be a solution that doesn't create another problem. Well said. So it's like, I think we first have to just get that, right? If I create this new solution, there's gonna be something else. It goes back to the cost benefit, right? Yeah. So say we make a change in healthcare. So the ACA, American Care Act, mm-hmm. when I was working at the hospital, finishing up my pre-med degree, that was rolling out and all the doctors predicted what was gonna happen. They all freaked out because mm-hmm. that change, who was gonna be paying the bill were the doctors. Right. Mm-hmm. They would make significantly less money with just as much liability and hard ass work. And they do go through a lot of work, very competitive, very high stress. They pretty much give up a decade of their lives, mm-hmm. sacrifice a decade of their lives because the payout is extraordinary. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, this is insane because who would be willing to go through the hell that we went through if there wasn't a payout? Mm-hmm. And in that scenario, there'd be a lot of growing pains and they would be the people paying the price, the ones going through. That's not to say that they have to go through hell. We can always change what becoming a doctor means. Mm -hmm. And I think we should, because I don't think an MD that's a general for everything, mainly about nutrition, like Mm -hmm. they just don't teach them anything about nutrition. Or maybe it's how we just view doctors. Maybe we just need to know that they know nothing about nutrition and then just move on but yeah um, and not nothing obviously they know physiology way more than any of us do and that that matters as well but they also have learning from an institution that's been around forever and we see that science changes a lot but they're you know they're learning stuff from an institution that's 100 years old Mm -hmm. they don't change as fast like the physiology class i took he was teaching stuff in the 1980s i was currently working in the hospital and when i correct the guy he chews me out so it's like, I'm like, no, I literally just did that surgery yesterday. I'm just being nice to you and giving you some information. You're wrong, sorry. And his ego's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. I'm doing it my way, this is my class. Doesn't matter if you're learning right or wrong. I just want you to learn. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I still get, did good in this class. It wasn't great. Mm-hmm. I didn't fail. Asshole, I don't like it. <laughs> There's still something there, huh? <laughs> I, I hold no grudges. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm really, I'm kidding. I, I can't even remember his name to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. It did just irk me that I, I took my time to go to his office and. Uh, well, and it took courage to do that, right? And so that's probably what stung the most is like, hey, I'm, I'm standing up for like what I know, and then for him to react that way. I think it it would take courage for a lot of people. For me, <laughs> he probably saw through my ruse of I just wanted to feel self-important and 
called me out on my bullshit and was like, get the fuck uh, out of here. So that's why you're really annoyed. <laughs> he saw through you. There you go. That's more likely because I was probably just like, I'm going to earn some brownie points. And then yeah. I didn't get a pat on the back. And yeah, nope. as spoiled no people go. Yeah. yeah. That's, we, we all are. I don't We're, think we talked about the urban farm at all. We haven't talked about it at all. <laughs> Holy and crap. And I have no idea what time it is. Oh, it's two. Okay. Do you know how long we've been going? I'm guessing well, almost two hours because I did just look at the clock. Oh, I thought we'd been talking for like 30 minutes. Really? Yeah. It, it has been. It does not felt like two hours. I can tell you that. We got in a flow state. That's what it was. There you go. I'm not. Maybe that's why. It's been an hour 42 minutes and I still haven't finished my beer. There you go. That just. Yeah. Well. It must mean you're talking too much, Jason. It is. <laughs> I do talk too much. That's a funny thing. I wanted to do this so I could learn to talk less, yet it's not working. Mm. It's not working. Especially this one. I've been talking a lot, but we've had some I think great back and back forth, yeah. I think you've been talking, talking. You've been speaking good. No, you've been <laughs> using some of the education you've worked towards on all of the things that we're talking about. So you're able to say things in a very succinct way, mm -hmm. but there is a jargon involved. Mm -hmm. And so I'm picking up what you're putting down and I just want to repeat it back to you to make sure that- No, that's good, yeah. Yeah just catch me when I'm saying that. And um, I do think being concise is a superpower that I have. Just You're pretty spot on. <laughs> so. I would uh, cultivate that superpower. <laughs> and speaking of cultivation, <laughs> tell us about this urban farm that Bravo. you work with. Bravo. Yeah. Segway. <laughs> um, so it's called Finca Trace Robles and they're in the east end of town of Houston. So they're the only um, farm like in the 610 loop. So they're truly like an urban farm for Houston. And they only have like an acre and a quarter or just over an acre that they have. Um, but they just do so much good there. Like it's incredible. So it's, they wanna give back to the community and ideally they wanna just serve like the five, you know, zip codes immediately around their surrounding area. And I think they really did that during, uh, during the pandemic. They created donation bags for people in the area. They got restaurants involved to donate certain things. So it was like complete, like complete um, things to make like meals with that were given to like bags that were given to people in the community. Um, and I, I connected with them because I don't know if you know this, but I took permaculture classes and I actually have my permaculture certificates. A permaculture? Mm -hmm. What's permaculture? Um, I knew you were going to ask this. I'm trying to think of the best. So it's like a way to design your life to use like as limited resources as possible. It's kind of like the best way to say it. So a lot of people link it to more of like agricultural side of things and like having your own garden, but it's really like, there are different principles that it has. One of my favorite, or I guess my two favorite are redundancy. So it's like, you always have a backup kind of thing, but also like one thing making sure, and this is like, I think it's called multiple uses probably, but it has multiple uses. So it's like, if you're gonna have a tree in your yard, why not put it in a, in like a south facing window? Cause that's gonna get the, hottest part of the sun for the day so like if you live in a warm climate make sure that it provides shade in that spot and on top of that why not also have it be a fruit tree so that way it's giving shade and it's providing energy and also you like in the form of food and reducing the amount of energy that you use right so it's like it's a whole set of design principles 
that I think this Australian guy came up with. Ah, that makes sense. Those um, Aussies are always green. Yeah. And I mean, I took, that's like one of the first things I did when I got to Houston was I took permaculture classes and I got my certificate and I was living in an apartment at the time. So I, I felt like I didn't have like the ability to use it right away, but I have the books I can go back to and refer to. And So is it just like sustainability to the max? Yeah instead of using reusables mm -hmm. or i mean instead of throwaways reusables mm -hmm. decrease your energy consumption mm -hmm. you know in the summer don't yeah. use the ac as much in the winter don't use as much gas kind of thing mm -hmm. okay i i think that's one of the most important things that people need to educate themselves about yeah i don't i, I mean maybe it's just because i live in a you know a more rural part of texas i do come across t just too many people that they they don't think climate change is important either they think it's just false and it's just mm -hmm. propaganda or they think that it's not that big of a deal and we're over exaggerating and then there's you know some people who believe in the literal return of mm -hmm. you know their their savior and that it's coming soon it wasn't 2013 it wasn't 2020 mm -hmm. it's probably going to be soon though I've heard multiple times, I guarantee you it's in the next 30 years. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, my mom said that and now she is gone. Mm -hmm. If we keep waiting for someone to come save us, it's not gonna happen. It's the whole uh, story of the the people in the flood sitting on their house and mm -hmm. three boats come by and when they die, God says, why didn't you get in the boat? Right. Um, it, to me, it's that's just not even a good argument. So anytime anyone brings that up, I probably rage on them. No, I don't, I'm too, <laughs> I give people too much space nowadays. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, there is like what that would mean about their lives and what they're doing that they just might not want to deal with. Like if climate change were true, right? So Don't tell like, them that. Uh, you could probably actually tell them that. Probably should, but then they wouldn't talk to me by the coffee pot. I wouldn't pot. tell, I would ask it as a question. Okay. It's mm -hmm. a good way to do it. Like, how do you, like, how would you approach, say you're going out to an oil rig mm -hmm. and you have a million dollar contract on the line and this guy says, climate change, those motherfuckers don't know what you're talking about. What do you do? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So he said they don't know what they're talking about. You could say, what do you think they're talking about? And he's going to say, oh, it's just conspiracy theory that it's just government trying to control us. Those motherfuckers, oil and gas is going to save the world. Oil and gas is going to save the world. Do you say, you're absolutely right, sir. How about that million dollar contract? Or do you say, well, the truth is we have a lot of data that shows that you're completely wrong and we should drastically <laughs> change the way that we consume or else we're going to have severe issues and hundreds of millions of people are going to die in the next 30 years due to climate change. So what do you think? So I, I would say, I would not say you're going to get a good reaction if you say that. And, and you're definitely going to get a knee-jerk reaction when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but there's, like, there's just considering, like, remember I talked about, like, meeting him where he, where he's at, right? Okay. So first you have to get okay. where he's at. So he's at, I don't want this to be true, right? You could say that might be a fair way to say this person doesn't want climate change to be true. So you could actually start to, like, figure out like why do you not want this to be true i think the obvious thing he works in a rig so i mean supports his family and everyone yeah. around him. He, he, if that's true that means that he's a bad guy he's not mm -hmm. no one's saying that and it's not that's just not true but right. in his mind 
he's a good guy because he's, he's saving the world mm -hmm. through oil and gas, which is partially true. Mm -hmm. It has done amazing things, but now that we know that we're kind of overusing it, mm -hmm. we have to do some drastic stuff to curb that, not get rid of it, mm -hmm. but curb it. Yeah. And I the the scenario I'm making is very specific because who in their right mind is going to give up a million dollar contract or at least risk it mm -hmm. to say, oh, really, what are you thinking about? Hmm, I'm not sure if I agree with you. They're going to say, damn straight. They might. Almost every, I mean, that would be a hard decision. I'm I, gonna, I'm not, I don't know what I would do. That'd be rough. Yeah, I mean, if somebody's saying that, like, you have to, like, I guess just first think about like what are you committed to in this conversation You're committed like, to getting a million dollar sales because you need to feed so your then family speak consistent to that but if there's something for you where it's like i'm really committed that we actually do i mean i guess if you're committed to educating that guy that might also not really be the best route to have a conversation <laughs> in either right like I, i'm I committed to educating you yeah. yeah but if you're actually interested in like because what i get what I would start to be curious about is like, why is he reacting this way? Well, he's probably reacting this way because it's a threat into his livelihood, which is I think what you've been like saying a little bit, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's what he's done his whole life. It could be really scary for him to be like, oh, now I got to learn a new skill. So like, if you, if you think that's what's in the background, like not being said, that's having him say whatever he is saying, you could say, yeah, like, what do you think you would do instead? So you could speak to that because that's the fear that's there. Be like, man, I don't know, man, this Biden guy looks like he's really pushing some bills. What happens if, what would you do if you didn't have oil and gas? Mm -hmm. Hey, there's an answer, you know? Mm -hmm. You're like, what, what would you do? I mean, Biden's an, Biden's an asshole, whatever, he's gonna take it away, but what are you, what are you gonna do when oil and gas ain't around? Yeah. Maybe that, get him thinking about his, uh, his dream job podcasting. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to make any money doing <laughs> that. <laughs> you're like, and I won't disclose that piece of information. That's not what you're being educated on today, sir. Just on climate change. <laughs> so again, I totally sidetracked us away from Finca. Finca Dos Robles? Trace. Trace. Mm -hmm. I got one. I was, what does that mean? It's, the, it's uh, related to the three trees on their farm. Uh, so I think Finca is farm. And so I think it's farm of three trees. I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, um, I did meet the guy. I did come Tommy. out there, mm -hmm. and uh, to paint a picture for the listeners, you will look up and see the Houston skyline right in your face. Mm -hmm. It's when she says urban, it's not a suburb at all. Like you're surrounded by a huge city to get there you're in just crazy traffic and then all of a sudden you walk into a jungle of just green mm -hmm. and he's i'll let you explain a little bit better but one of the things that just shocked me was what was it what was it you called it where you get the tree with the south facing the oh the permaculture like the multi permaculture multi-use mm -hmm. and decreasing waste he got um tree trimmers to get all of their the the ground up waste Which from their product that normally they just dump off as a waste product and he said hey come dump it on my property because where he was going was it was pretty much underwater mm -hmm. like he had to somehow build that up but he didn't have any 
he couldn't pay for a bunch of fill to be coming in there mm -hmm. and so we figured out a way to be like you know what this is being wasted mm -hmm. let's put this thing to good use and now he's got this setup to where i was i i have to say i'm very grateful for you setting up what you did and bringing us out there because it completely changed the possibilities of what we have i mean he has a garden that's 24 7 365 well 24 7 duh mm -hmm. plants don't fucking go to sleep but <laughs> well i don't know maybe they do no plant but 365 like they have a year-round garden right yep. yeah 100 percent. they um they say that texas has four seasons is what tommy always says you know it's got uh fall spring summer and the inferno okay those are the four seasons that they have there. <laughs> um i think he doesn't say winter i think he does say fall and spring but i know that th the fourth season is the inferno um but yeah it's uh i think they they talk about it on their website a little bit but it's like limited resources right like how do you um use stuff that's already wasted and or already considered waste and repurpose it you know in um there's a concept called, I think it's Huga culture, which is like where you, I think you build up over logs, soil beds, which helps with, I think weed control a lot. And as the, the wood of the tree that you're, that's been chopped down, that you're building on top of, as it breaks down, it's introducing nutrients into the soil. So in a way the wood chips is like a version of that, right? And he also even went to the point where the wood chips, they come in pretty coarse and they're not rotten or broken down at all. So the plants can't access the nutrients yet. So he gets the fresh stuff, makes his pathways mm. and people will walk over that and help break it down yep. mechanically on top of having rain and everything. Excuse me. And then once that's broken down, he transfers that to where the plants are going to go and then redoes it all over again. Like they've got this shit down like clockwork. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it, it's an impressive feat of engineering, as uh, my last guest would have said, the engineer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's what they're always doing is how can we use the resources that we have? Um, the other thing that they do is they have Moringa trees on their property. Oh, really? Yeah. And the Moringa is one of the things that provides shade. And then they chop it down and they do. You can eat like every part of that plant. That's what I hear. So, yeah. So what they, do you know about Moringa? Like, because apparently some people like worship that plant. So I only know they sold it and it was good for like your heart and inflammation and things like that. Um, and that it was, it definitely, it grows in Houston, which like not everything grows in Houston. So he could grow it as a way to provide shade to the crops that the plants had actually needed, like were more delicate and needed the shade. Mm -hmm. And then he could chop it down. And I think, I, I think, I don't remember what they used. They ground everything up or if they also like repurposed some of the leaves and things like that too like when they would chop them back and cut them back and stuff like that yeah i've i've been taking a moringa supplement for ooh, wow now a few months and i i just do like a veggie drink mm -hmm. and like throw some fruit in it and then moringa by me i mean my wife because she's awesome and mm. i tried and it was terrible so she just she has, created something for she's you. like oh, fine here, here you go <laughs> and I've been doing so many different things to better myself that it's like, I don't have a control group to oh. figure out. I'm, I'm feeling the best I've ever felt in my life. And I can't attest it to one thing, mm -hmm. but it hasn't made me feel worse. Right. So, cause the claim with it, when someone approached me and said, Hey, do you want to sponsor this? I'm like, 
sure but i don't i don't i, I don't know anything about it like it like some supplement companies you're going to find out that it's just sawdust right yeah. and i'm being i'm exaggerating but it doesn't really do squat it's snake oil mm -hmm. and i didn't want to be associated with that so i started looking at moringa and i'm like this is like too freaking good to be true because like you said literally every single part of the tree is consumable and each different part has some other thing that when combined in like a full tree uh, combination even in just a little bit of powder you get things that is completely missing from the human diet right now, especially with the depletion of the soil that's been happening with the, yeah. what is it, the single crop farming. So, I mean, we've talked on a lot of different subjects, but I was kind of shocked when I started delving into it. I don't really uh, push that product at all, but mm -hmm. um, it's seemed to be doing, and that's the thing, maybe I should like have changed nothing and then started to use that just to see. I'd, well. I mean, what difference would that really make? Like, you want to actually isolate it. If everything's making you feel good, like. Yeah, I guess it's part of the recipe. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. it I, it's something I'm going to continue to. But I get uh, you like knowing answers, so I can relate to that. Yeah, is that uh, is that not common? I think it is. I think some people have a drive for it, probably more so than others do. What else is there? Maybe that's just. Other I than answers, you mean? Yeah, like. More it, questions? What, do pe but people don't want questions. Maybe they do. Maybe all they want is questions. I want some answers. I want to know everything. And it's also in, like, I think we also want the right answers. <laughs> I don't know if we want all answers. <laughs> I think we just want the right answer. Sometimes. Sometimes the the correct or most true answer is not something we really want to ingest. Yeah. It's unpalatable. And I have this crazy idea that humans are on the precipice of hitting this like you know in math if you have it do you know what an exponential curve is you're, you're oh you're an accountant you know exactly what that is it's something that kind of like doubles or every time so mm -hmm. like the I, I love the the story of the the rice farmer that came to the emperor and he said i'll give you any boon you want to the rice farmer and he says how about this we put one grain of rice on the first square of your chessboard and then we'll double that. We'll do two grains of rice and then four and then, and you know, so on and so on. And the emperor agrees and didn't realize that if you do that, it comes to like, if you did it with a dollar, like you put $1 on the first one and then just doubled it each time, just on a, you know, a checker, checkerboard, chessboard. It's like, what, like 1.4 quadrillion dollars more than is in pretty much the whole entire value, estimated value of the earth right now is like roughly 1.4 quadrillion if you're taking everything, real estate, yada, yada. And that's just starting with one grain of rice, well, with $1 and doubling it each time. So the exponential growth, the reason I'm trying to explain this out, because I don't think people truly understand the magnificence of that, if we believe that humanity truly is progressing exponentially, mm -hmm. there's going to get to a point where we're going straight up. Yeah. And a lot of religions talk about these days right now mm -hmm. about like the return of the savior or whatever it is. And I think they're partially right. I, I personally don't believe there's going to be a physical being coming down out of mm -hmm. the clouds. Maybe I think there's a possibility that's true. I think it'd be pretty, pretty cool to see 
I sometimes look up just to make sure. <laughs> I, I want to be there if it happens, and I hope it does because that would just be really exciting. I don't think it is though, but I think the, the, the lesson that we can take from that beautiful story is that we are going to achieve a moment in existence where humans are going to actually get what God meant. And that's what, you know, the, the, what's the, what's the term I'm looking for? The, the perfect, in Mormonism, they call it the millennium. After Christ comes back, you're going to have a thousand years of peace. Mm. I think we're there, minus the very literal translation of all that. Mm. And I think it's going to come through us being able to process change better. And we're going to get to the point because because we are growing exponentially as humanity and social concepts that it's eventually get to the point where we're just like, oh, we get it. Boom. And we're just hitting the scars the other options we're probably just going to annihilate each other that's that's the other side of that coin yeah i don't know what do you what do you think is most likely Ooh, i have no idea it's interest like between we're going to become a i do think we're going to be our own saviors i think that's kind okay. of what i was hearing what you were saying um and I think there are just too many unknown factors, you know? I do think we can save ourselves. So. I think we've been doing a pretty good job of it. I think mm -hmm. humanity is going in the right direction. Yeah. But it is, um, I don't know. And maybe it's, we're not growing exponentially in that sense. Mm -hmm. Maybe the change is going to be a lot slower than uh, I'm predicting, but. Well, we also don't know the length of the curve right because mm -hmm. there's a formula to exponential growth we don't and i th think that's why nostradamus wasn't spot on wasn't nostradamus like 2000 that's when he thought you know no no, yeah. no you know it there's like mayans there's christians this guy named nostradamus there's a few different on the different um, societies that have had these gurus or prophets that have all predicted right around the same time that there's mm -hmm. going to be something catastrophic yet amazing happen. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting, you know, and maybe it's not that unique. Maybe it's just we're only looking at the world in a tiny little pinprick of the last like 5,000 years. But if you believe that the world's been around for a billion, then it, there's actually no pattern and we're just like, no, nope, we're just all idiots and we're trying to figure this all out. There's probably all of the above. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think we all probably are idiots to some degree or another. No doubt. I have no <laughs> doubt. If anyone thinks that they're not an idiot, they're an idiot. <laughs> um, Courtney, I'm sorry I rambled so much, but I was so excited to sit down and talk to you. Like, I think we really had some right back and forth my my pea brain masculine brain was definitely enlightened quite a bit on a very succinct way due to your uh, special <laughs> superpower thank you it's been great to talk with you too i don't think i don't think we've ever talked this length of time never before yeah when's so. the last time that you sat down in person alone with someone and had a two-hour conversation Ooh. And this has been running a little bit long, so it's probably only like hour and a half, hour 40, something around there, but still. Um, 
I don't know. I think one-on-one is pretty, pretty rare. I feel like I'm usually like, I had a good conversation with my parents over the weekend, probably for like at least an hour, but it was me with the two of them. It wasn't like a one-on-one that counts. conversation. So I don't I know what counts that. means, but yeah. That, <laughs> no, but I, I really think like, I mean, I think I read like your little write-up about what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. And that's what how I say I wrote that like so many lifetimes ago. You said something about like what the way that like just sharing and like what that's going to provide for your education. But also like I heard it as like you're exploring and you're seeing is conversation a way to solve problems with like differences. That's how I heard. That's how Mm -hmm. I interpreted what you wrote. Did you believe that? Yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. I, I really think it is, and and it's related to everything we talked about, which is the the only reason that I I, I think long form conversation is the literal only way that I currently know of to truly have the ability to transfer quality information. Because so many things that I said during this conversation could have been misconstrued by various different people, because people from different countries are starting to listen to this. That's and when I go over to Europe, there's going to be a lot of people that are just gonna be just bashing like their their protocol don't match up with that other guy's <laughs> protocol. And, and there's gonna be this like, no, you idiot, that's not how life is. But if you if you stop and you don't say that and you say, okay, I'm about to say no, you idiot, that's not how life is. But what I really mean is you're probably just as right as I am and mm-hmm. my experiences don't match yours, but there's probably some overlap. Yeah. And there's so many divides and a, a big one with me because I came from a, a pretty meager upbringing is people who came from money, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, maybe that's why I, I harp on generational wealth. But then if we're going back to everyone's got their own story and the worst thing that's ever happened to you is still the worst thing that ever happens to you. You're like, okay, well, maybe they're not the bad guys. They yeah. didn't control the situation they're in. They still have responsibility to act and probably in a way more so because they do have more power. Mm-hmm. They do have more responsibility. So in that way, that's a much harder life. Mm-hmm. But men and women, another thing, or not necessarily men and women, but masculine and feminine. And I, I'm starting to say that because <laughs> some women are pretty masculine and vice mm-hmm. versa. Mm-hmm. I know dudes that are more feminine than my wife. Mm-hmm. And but there is a, a stark difference between the masculine and the feminine. And if we don't believe that or we get offended because you're being a misogynist by saying, oh, that's just what women say. Sorry, but that's that's my reality, at least. And I think it's and I think it's true. I, mm-hmm. I think there really is a very uh, measurable difference between those. The same goes with, unfortunately, color of skin is such a huge topic right now. I'm really excited when we all just start fucking together and we're all brown and we just Mm -hmm. get over that part of humanity and move on Mm because, man, it's just a hot topic. Yeah. Just, it's so triggering. And Mm -hmm. it, I I don't know how to fix it other than we just really just time, just generation upon generation. And conversations and being related. You know, I had a really interesting conversation with somebody where I was like, if you were to wave, it was a um, black man. And he, I asked him, I was like, if you were to wave a magic wand, you could have anything you wanted in your entire life, what would it be? And he was like, I want white woman privilege. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, Singled out white woman? Yeah, I mean, he was talking to me, right? Okay. So like, that's, I think it might've been to He's antagonize to a you. little bit, right? And I was like, 
Huh. So I have an idea of what you might mean by that. But tell me more. Like, what would you, what would you get out of having white woman privilege? And he's like, I could sample cookies at the grocery store and then bring them up to the counter and say that they're damaged and then get free cookies. There was, there was something about like cookies wow. at the grocery store, but like no one would question him. And I was like, huh, I hadn't considered that. And I was like, and what would it be like in your life if you weren't like questioned, you know, like and it was like a whole nother way to have a conversation where it wasn't like, like there was no like combating, you know, like, or maybe I wasn't even offended. I was like, what is the world of white woman privilege for him, right? Like, what is that? Like, I actually just got curious, you know? That is both fascinating and hilarious. That you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's it was totally unexpected. And I was like, huh, I don't know what that world is. And, you know, one thing that I've been like, and this is, I don't know if it's gonna like launch into a totally other thing. And I, I do probably need to go soon, but, um, one thing that I started to realize is I've been having like diversity and inclusion conversations with people and um, someone was asking, you know, like, well, what is it from a white person's perspective, like that we're having these conversations and what's it like? And and I was thinking and I was like, you know what, I I have it that without my saying any words, me just showing up as I am with my blonde hair, my blue eyes. I'm a woman, right? All of that automatically offends somebody, some people. Mm -hmm. So that actually keeps me from having a conversation because I'm already walking up offending somebody because I'm constantly worried about offending people. That's kind of like my, my default, like don't offend, you know, like not a very com yeah. confrontational person. I would, I would say I'm not like naturally, no, naturally I'm not a confrontational person. In my head, I'm a confrontational person. You That's can not be healthy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like if someone says something, I'm like, what would I say in this? You know what I mean? But I don't actually say it. And sometimes that serves me and sometimes that doesn't. Sometimes there is a place to like speak up, right? Like sometimes yeah. it would be good for me to actually say something when I don't say anything. But it was just interesting, like for me experiencing that, like, huh, I have had it that people will look at me make a blank, like make a decision. And I'm already having to overcome something just by what I look like. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that has anything to do with like any, any, um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not discrediting anyone's experience. And I'm not saying that mine is worse than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. Right. I just started to realize that for myself, like, oh, I've been walking around this particular way. And that's what actually stops me from talking to people sometimes. Yeah. because I'm worried about it and all of that. And so what if we could all get past our own fears, whatever it is for each person? Like, I don't know if it's uh, everyone has a thing about offending people, but like and actually just have a conversation with like our guards down in our community there. Like, yeah. And going back to conversation, saving the world, I, I just really think that the only way that we can truly gain empathy for all sorts of different people is to actually delve into all sorts of different people and have these face to face. Mm -hmm. And like that, I mean, I've told the story a ton of times. I just love it so much because it's such a perfect example. The, the brewmaster Maori Brewing on the show said that she had a, a longtime friend come up to her and say, Hey, I want to, I want to thank you. You opened my eyes to the fact that uh, you being a lesbian, you, 
could be an amazing mom. And before I met you, I didn't believe that. I thought that we shouldn't let homosexuals adopt kids. And now mm. because I've gotten to know you, I now understand that I was in the wrong in that situation. The only way he changed is because he was able to truly be in contact with another human being without the protection of an IP address or an anonymous username yeah. or without the protection of even a phone call or a screen. Like he spent time with that person, mm -hmm. saw that person for who they were and didn't judge them based off of a part of them or a label that was put on them, but judged them based off of them. Because are there gay people that shouldn't adopt? Yeah. But there's also straight people that shouldn't and there's black people that shouldn't and there's white people that shouldn't and we need to address those issues on an mm -hmm. individual basis but we're not going to do that because that's too hard so at least on a political level we, one we, person at a time yeah we just need to uh, just need to love more you know mm -hmm. you mr like, rogers had it right all along God, mr rogers <laughs> well corny thank you so much for uh inviting me into your driveway and <laughs> I really appreciate the conversation we had. I went on a, just a flow state of jabber mouthing. I have, I don't know what came, well, I do it a lot, but I really just, I mean, all of these podcasts fly by, but this one is shocking that we've already been doing it for two hours, but thank you so much for being on. It was, it was really great. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this conversation. Well, bye everybody. Hey everybody, the conversation is getting bigger and bigger, and I want to invite all of you to join in. There's a few ways to do it. You can go to IamWoodstock.com, that's I-A-M-Woodstock.com. There you'll find a contact form where you can input your email and contact me directly. You can also go to the I Am Woodstock Facebook page to leave comments and start a conversation with the entire IAW community. If you're a fan of pictures, check out the I Am Woodstock Instagram, where my wife is sharing some of the family adventures. If you're enjoying the show and want it to grow even more, go to the Good Stuff page on my website. There you'll find links to all of my sponsors as well as a link directly to the I Am Woodstock Patreon where you can become an official patron and allow me to be picky about the sponsors I choose. Thank you all for the support and don't forget, this is all about starting real conversations. If you're driving in your car, call up a friend who you haven't seen in a while and discuss some of the topics you've come across on the show. Trust me, you will not regret it. See you next time.